G'day and welcome to Turning Your Cruising Dreams into Reality podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Sistership Training and Pantenius Yacht Insurance, who can provide you with the tools to cruise confidently. This is part three and the final episode of our adventures around the Great Loop. In part two, we were leaving Canada and now we're heading towards the deep south. Bidding a sad farewell to the dramatic Canadian scenery, we ease our way back into the States and pick our time to go south along Michigan Lake. While the wind gathers spirit, Penguin Jack, our dinghy, has been surfing behind us and trying to overtake Mariah, skewering violently. Ropes snatch for the last time and have yanked loose the towing line. We shift Mariah around to search for an eight-foot boat in a 300-mile-long lake. Fortunately, PJ's bright green paint catches our eyes and we fight the growing waves to salvage the wayward dinghy. Having been born in a brothel, long story, PJ is clearly independent and lacking in any manners. The white-knuckle ride that is our boat makes the retrieval challenging. Eventually, with skillful boat manoeuvres and ungraceful lurching, we claim our rebellious dinghy. Abruptly, the winds hold hands with the fresh water and heaves the waves higher. The clatter of shifting equipment, plates and books is making me cringe. Noel gasps through the stinging horizontal rain to retie the prone mast that is trying to break free. An upbeat version of the turkey trot at fairgrounds, that is our deck, makes the journey to the bow precarious. Noel relies on his flexing knees, his earned balance and a bit of luck while he weaves a spider's nest of nautical knots to secure the heavy lump of timber. At last, rocking and rolling into a safe anchorage, we turn to the task of mucking out the boat. It's surprising how changing the dynamics of the boat by dropping the mast so radically changes its performance. We arrive in Chicago at 2am on the first day in September after a couple of moonlit dashes down Lake Michigan. The towering opalescent city lights welcome us into its still bay. But the next morning bureaucrats turn us away from the shore. We cannot step onto land from the anchorage area. We have to go into a marina. As budget-conscious cruisers, we take advantage of being dumb foreigners and sweet-talk the marine police into allowing us to dock at their private jetty while we explore Chicago's sights. Actually, the best way to see Chicago is via boat, puttering through its tall, adolescent and mature buildings, watching the rat race scurry by. This is the beginning of an entirely new adventure heading south in Midwest America. From Chicago City there are two routes. We opt for the sanitary and ship canal that offers superior scenery. This leads into the Illinois River. Not too far into the canal there is Barge City. My words for a place where there are 200 foot long barges parked bow to stern as far as the eye can see. The channel between leaves just inches leeway for any traffic. As I squint through our tatty binoculars, 
I am convinced a barge is heading our way. I cannot see a clear way ahead. With little time, we squeeze into a small gap, dwarfed by huge, rusted monsters. From behind the wall of barges around us, a 15-pack monstrosity glides past. This thing, with the tug pushing it along, is over a quarter of a mile long and a hundred feet wide. We are a little awestruck at the captain's deft handle. We wait until four of these monsters have gone by and slowly poke out our nose. After a while, we catch up with yet another behemoth. Politely we ask if we can overtake. Knowing the mile marker you are at is a necessity at all times. You always wait for the captain's permission to pass and always do as he asks. After umpteen pardons and whispered, what'd he say? We finally grasp his southern drawl. He gives the signal. We up the revs and start overtaking a boat over 1,200 feet long. Halfway alongside, we see an approaching barge is static tied to the bank, but we will not fit the three of us alongside. The throttle receives an extra shove. With our mind leaving from, yeah, we'll make it, to, no, we won't, and the throttle receiving abuse that matches our thoughts, we slip through just before we create a unique type of boat consultina. We've been chatting about it for months, and with a giddy blend of trepidation and anticipation, we cross the threshold into the famous Mississippi River. We have only heard negative experiences about this part of the trip, but we like to make up our own minds. This corridor of commerce runs in total for over 1,700 miles, from Minneapolis to New Orleans. We traverse just 250 miles of this fast-flowing muddy water, where you often see historic paddle-wheel boats gliding past. The current is with us, but it's running fast, giving us an extra three knots. Good for speed, not so good for mistakes. At our time, there was little information available for this section, so for the first night we find our own anchorage. With no depths on the charts, we feel like we are tiptoeing off the main channel, but we find enough room to anchor. With the new trip line tied on securely with a floating fender, I drop the anchor and miraculously the knot unravels, and I watch in wonder as our fender takes off on its own. Without thought, Noel and I grapple to fix the outboard onto the dinghy and I jump in, feeling a bit like Jane Bond on a mission to rescue. We've anchored behind a submerged wall, called a wing dam, which is giving us a little reprieve from the dominant current. However, the fender has built up some speed. Scooping up the fiend in a heroic fashion, I turn the dinghy just before reaching the unforgiving current of the main channel. I rev the two-horsepower outboard hard, the engine coughs and I pray. Somewhat late, my mind decides to offer some thought. If I were caught in the current in the main channel, our small outboard would not cope. I'd be whisked off down the Mississippi with only PJ, the dinghy, for company. I up the revs more and I'm shaking by the time I reach Mariah. What a foolish thing to do, risk my life for an old fender. The Mississippi is one of the most exhilarating cruises so far. The clean sandy beaches, parks and lush vegetation 
possess an unexpected beauty. Along the way, we find some decent rest stops, out of the channel, out of the current, and away from the commercial traffic. We are approaching the Ohio River turnoff and poignantly end our trip along the Mississippi. Hurricane Ivan is heading for Mobile, Alabama. The radio updates us on the relentless hurricanes that are only a few hundred miles away. Being inland, we feel safe from the awesome winds. However, when hurricanes move to large expanses of land, rain comes. I'm standing here near the Tennessee River, watching pleasure craft and yachts break free from their moorings and crash into bridges, gasps the commentator on the radio, fully in tune with my horror. The Tennessee runs into the Ohio, and that's our next river. The Ohio is running at a three to four knot current against us. That means our average speed would be a monotonous one to two knots. Luckily, there is a protected anchorage just before the raging river, near a town named Cairo. We sit here for a long week, waiting for the Ohio River to calm. We tackle jobs on board, and the troops to town are every other day. The outing to town is a bit of a marathon. We dinghy ashore, climb a ten-foot muddy bank, trek a mile across the field, overgrown with a mesh of weeds. The mozzies here are fearsome and wage a full-on war. We then climb a levee bank, which is ideal rattlesnake foliage, and ultimately reach a gravel road. We are now halfway there. The rest of the journey is a bit easier, and after dragging our push bikes and many sock burrs thus far, we are able to enjoy a ride. Loaded on the outward journey with bags of rubbish and all our groceries homebound, it makes a somewhat challenging exercise. With floodwaters still rampaging down the Ohio, we prepare for battle and turn into the thick brown, debris-ridden river. Our speed slows to a monotonous two knots, while we play dodgems with floating trees. The Ohio River houses two locks, which raises us up higher away from sea level. However, water levels are currently that high, we motor right over the top of the locks, walls and all. At the second lock, while going over the top of the huge superstructure, we stop dead in the water. Our hard-working Yanma is pushed to the red as an enormous tugboat thrusting 15 barges creeps up our rear. As the barge crawls nearer, we stare at the land that is not moving by, and the Yanma starts screaming, not much before I do, when Noel has the bright idea of tacking. Weaving left to right, we break through the current, and the shore starts moving along again. We continue on a motor for long days, trying to get through this laborious section with haste. When we reach Tennessee, we'll start going downhill, with currents flying south, the same direction as us, into the Gulf of Mexico. After the Cumberland and Tennessee River, we enter the last stretch of the system that will lead us south into Mobile, which is just east of New Orleans into the Gulf of Mexico. The Ten Tom Canal connects the Tennessee River with the Tom Bigby River, being our very last freshwater canal. The locks appeared newer and quieter in the Ten Tom. The water is sparsely populated and we take delight in watching the majestic blue herons sit in the almost naked trees 
that are now dappled with the promise of spring. Succumbing to landlubber problems, in an extended visit to the UK, we find ourselves three months behind our trip in the US. But this unforeseen setback has its bonuses. We have witnessed autumn's hand at work each day, and now the hints of spring filter in. It's a remarkable gift to see. Anchorages along the Tentom can be tricky without a good pilot. Enchanting creeks look perfect, but the muddy waters hide the deck that is at times just a few inches. The few marinas along the Tom Bigby are first-rate and reasonable. Nearing the end of the rivers, we are becoming complacent with the beauty and are keen to put our mast back up and use the silent wind as our propulsion. The cold nips at our extremities, a price we pay for completing this trip at the end of winter, but the cloak of warmth of the deep south wards off the chill. We live for a while in Demopolis, Alabama, experiencing the way of life at first hand. While we work on Mariah in preparation for the Pacific Ocean. To us, this is what travelling is all about. Not the latest tourist attraction, but the people, the culture, the feel of the place. The locals instantly accept us and their welcoming smiles are contagious. We easily slip into their ways and their rhythmic accents. Listening to their voices is like pouring dark molasses from a warm drum, thick, rich and leisurely. You can hear the melodic beat of country music beneath their day-to-day -day conversations. We know their laid-back attitude is absorbed deep into our hearts when we tentatively think about making a decision tomorrow. With our sails aloft, we glide into Florida and our last stretch of this magnificent adventure. It feels a bit like coming home to your favourite comfy chair. Leaving the rivers and entering back into the ICW brings a familiar feel and the comfort of smelling the ocean. We can see the hard, tenacious work Floridians have done to repair their pretty state after the bashing of ruthless hurricanes. Unfortunately, we can witness the telltale signs that remain. Submerged boats, dismasted, left for dead. Bright blue tarpaulin streaking along the horizon, covering roofs that have taken flight. A carpenter's dream, perhaps. We are back in salt water and tides and are elated to be able to dip into clean water that tightens our skin with its sharp chill. It has been an honour to be able to do this trip, watch the seasons come and go and see parts of the world we knew nothing of. This kind of journey is an experience as a whole, not just hopping from one place to the next. It is the preparation, the research, learning, trying new things, romance, escapade, and yes, it is about the good yarn at the end of it all. Our heads are starting to think Panama Canal and Pacific Ocean. Our hearts are, and will be for some time, in America. Thanks for joining me today. This is Jackie from Sistership Training and I hope you enjoyed the trip.
around the Great Loop in America. If you'd like to read this story and view some pictures, go on over to sistershiptraining.com and click on articles. For the full story of our nine years on board Mariah 2, travelling around the world, look out for our book, Of Foreign Build, From Corporate Girl to Sea Gypsy Woman. It's on Amazon, on audio, Kindle and paperback, or drop us a line and you can buy the paperback directly from us. Do join us again and check out sistershiptraining.com for more podcasts and videos. I wish you safe sailing.